The old pilot's plain tales, the divine wind. The year was 1281, and the Mongol army had embarked on a huge imperial Yuan fleet bound for Japan. The great Mongol emperor Kublai Khan demanded that Japan become a vassal of his empire and send tribute. When his emissaries returned empty-handed, the furious Mongol leader vowed to conquer the Japanese archipelago. The Japanese shogunate had successfully repelled one invasion when the Khan dispatched two imperial Yuan fleets of over 4,000 ships to try again. The Japanese army was heavily outnumbered, but they had fortified the coastal line with high walls. On the morning of the 15th of August, with seas black with enemy ships, the Japanese god Raijin raised an enormous storm and brought it down onto the invading fleet. The massive typhoon assaulted the shores for two days, long enough to decimate the attackers. Believing their deliverance was due to the storm, they named it Kamikaze, the Divine Wind. It is now 1944, and after their duplicitous attack on Pearl Harbor, Japan is about to reap the whirlwind, as the might of the American armed forces slowly crush the Imperial Army, Navy, and Air Force. The result of the Pacific War was never a foregone conclusion, but as the Allied forces ground out of victory, the outcome was becoming increasingly plain to the Japanese military. The earlier carrier battles, particularly at Midway, had inflicted irreparable damage as the Imperial Navy lost as many aircrew in a single day as their pre-war training had produced in a year. What had previously only been an occasional occurrence of crippled aircraft being flown deliberately into a target was about to become a formal force. Captain Okamura was credited with officially proposing a special attack force. In the words of one Japanese pilot, The war situation was becoming increasingly severe day by day. Even as we trained earnestly, the general feeling had developed among us that we did not have long to live. Okamura claimed that there were so many volunteers for suicide missions that he referred to them as a swarm of bees, explaining, Bees die after they have stung. When he presented his ideas to his superiors, he stated, In our present situation, I firmly believe that the only way to swing the war in our favor is to resort to crash-dive attacks with our planes. There is no other way. There will be more than enough volunteers for this chance to save our country. I would like to command such an operation. Provide me with 300 planes and I will turn the tide of war. Officially called Tokubetsu Kogeki Tai, Special Attack Unit, the term kamikaze was only used informally in Japan more so after the war when the term was re-imported. The Special Attack Corps drew inspiration from the courage of a samurai warrior 
who in 1333 loyally defended his emperor in battle and then committed seppuku with his followers to escape the humiliation of capture. The Japanese concept of chivalry, Bushido, was based on a code of moral principles which samurai were required to follow. Such concepts as honour, obedience, duty and self-sacrifice were pressed into use for militarism during the war to present war as purifying and death a duty. It provided a spiritual shield to encourage soldiers to fight to the end. Koru Hasegawa, a Japanese naval aviator, described the philosophy as a sort of war fever. An unlikely survivor of a kamikaze attack, he revealed much of what it was like to be part of a special attack unit, and he dispelled many of the myths that surround these pilots. Many of his fellow pilots were former students of elite universities. They were certainly very young. Over 90% of the Navy's kamikaze pilots were between the ages of 18 and 24, but that wasn't uncommon for pilots of the time. The average age of a Battle of Britain pilot was 20. Hasegawa's training in the Naval Academy was completed in three years, just after the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. He was assigned to the 405 Ginga Corps. As a lieutenant, he was selected to fly the 10th Ginga subunit, which was then assigned to a special attack on the 25th of May 1945. We had only 30 airplanes when we should have had 48 bomber aircraft in our corps. It was a losing war. We were conducting many ordinary attacks. In an ordinary attack, you came back after you completed your mission. In a special attack, if you were successful, you did not come back. There was no special sensational feeling that came with our service in the Special Naval Attack Corps because we had both types of mission. Every day and night we were attacking and many people were dying. A few days before 25th of May, it was decided that the forthcoming mission would follow the special attack method. It was not a decision made after special deliberation. One day, we would employ the ordinary attack method. The next day, we would be alerted for a special attack mission. I must emphasize here that the special attack mission was not something we regarded as extraordinary. Of course, they were extraordinary tactics. Military men, however, had to follow whatever orders given to them and believed that they should do their best to complete assignments. As we flew southward, skirting Hiroshima, Etajima Island came into view. This was the location of the Naval Academy I had attended. At that moment, I said half aloud, this is the last time I'll see my alma mater. And at the same moment, Memories of my days at the academy and afterwards crowded into my mind. Not every special attack unit approached their training and missions in the same way. 
Take Kasuga said of his training, Generally, it consisted of incredibly strenuous training, coupled with cruel and torturous corporal punishment as a daily routine. Pilots were given a manual which detailed how they were supposed to think, prepare and attack. From this manual, pilots were told to attain a high level of spiritual training and to keep their health in the very best condition. These things, among others, were meant to put the pilot into the mindset in which he would be mentally ready to die. The manual was very detailed in how a pilot should attack. A pilot would dive towards his target and aim for a point between the bridge tower and the smokestacks. Entering a smokestack was also said to be effective. Pilots were told not to aim at the ship's bridge tower or gun turret, but instead look for elevators or the flight deck to crash into. For horizontal attacks, the pilot was to aim at the middle of the vessel, slightly higher than the waterline, or aim at the entrance to the aircraft hangar, or the bottom of the stack if the former was too difficult. The manual also told pilots never to close their eyes. This was because if a pilot closed his eyes, he would lower the chances of hitting his target. In the final moments before the crash, the pilot was to yell, Hisatsu! Certain kill. Hasegawa's account of his attack continues. After the groups were deployed, every one of the aircraft except mine and another airplane returned because of bad weather. The other pilot joined me and together we found the battleship West Virginia at about 10 o'clock. The battleship began shooting at us. Shells penetrated the body of the plane from below in front of me, and a smell of burning filled the cockpit. Koyama and Warrant Officer Yoshida were in the plane with me, and I switched the intercom to Koyama's position and called him. He didn't answer. The last thing I dimly remember seeing, close off to the right, was the mast of what seemed to be a heavy cruiser. Then I blacked out and crashed into the sea. The log of the USS Callaghan states, lowered boats to recover two Japanese airmen from plane wreckage. It goes on to state that Yoshida died from loss of blood about five hours after being pulled from the sea. Yoshida's body was wrapped in canvas, according to naval law, and was buried at sea. It was the USS Callaghan, a destroyer, that shot us down. We were looking for an aircraft carrier while in the clouds and failed to notice the destroyer. The crew of the USS Callaghan rescued me from the sea. As they were involved in a heavy air and sea battle, they were very busy and there was much commotion. I remember somebody looking into my eyes to see if I was alive or not. After they discovered that I was alive, I was left to lie on the deck while the crew went on fighting. In general, the crews of the Callaghan and the New Mexico were very polite and treated me very decently. He went on to say, At that time, 
I thought it was dishonorable not to have succeeded in attacking the US ships. I should mention, however, that now I do not think that way. When I was captured, I was badly injured and did not see any reason to live. I tried to commit suicide in the battleship New Mexico whilst being transferred to Guam. I became unconscious, but somehow survived. I leave the final words of this remarkable story to Mr. Hasegawa. I believe that the US Navy, Royal British Navy and Japanese Navy have always had a kind of comradeship towards each other. Whenever I visit the US Naval Academy or the British Naval Academy, the people there always treat me with warm friendship. Because Japan does not have a formal navy anymore, I feel a sense of nostalgia towards the US and Royal British Navies. I would like you to know that I have very close friendly feelings towards you. I want to send my warmest regards to the US Navy. Since 1995, Mr. Hasegawa has participated in a biennial reunion of the USS Callaghan Association as an honorary member. It was a tradition for special attack airmen to leave a death poem. We are schooled as kamikaze artists to inaugurate our own deaths with words. We are all moving towards our own deaths with the awkward speed of an antique bomber. We are not unique. We measure our life in war and reconciliation. We surprise ourselves with our own vengeance and then forgive ourselves readily when we are at peace. We hold dear chaotic memory. We only understand as we are ending that we never understand anything at all. That is the way until we find another. Another pilot wrote this poignant one-line verse. She will not remember her father.